So as I was sitting on the side watching uh, Pastor Jared and Kayla, um, enjoying the fact that it wasn't me this week, um, sitting there laughing, I, I felt like I need to tell you guys, those questions are actually kind of hard. Like, like when you're sitting down and filling those questions out, I was sitting and answering those questions, I'm texting my mom like, what is my favorite movie? I don't, I don't know. I texted my sister, and I was like, I don't, what's, what's my favorite show? I don't, I don't know, because um, I was hoping they might know me a little bit better than I, I know myself. But if you recall, last week, uh, I said my favorite movie or show is anything that is a mystery, because I, I like mysteries. I just, I enjoy the, the thrill of being able to read or watch a mystery and piece together the clues and try to figure out like the puzzles and who done it. And I, I like to think that maybe um, I, I kind of have a good brain for puzzles. Uh, I like to solve them. And I find a lot of joy and satisfaction in solving any sort of puzzle. Uh, Amos and I like to watch shows that are mysteries. And uh, sometimes I'll sit there and I'll be watching it and I'll say, I know what happened. I know what's going to happen, but I won't tell him. So what I do, you can confirm this with him. I'll pull out my phone. I'll text the answer on a note. And then I'll just put it away. And then at the end of the show, we get back, I'm like, I told you, and I can prove it. I knew it 20 minutes ago. I'll pull my phone out, and then I'll, I'll pull that up, and, I'll, and then I'll go through and explain to him how I knew. And sometimes I'm a little off, uh, but I, I try to justify it with, well, I got part of it. Uh, I, I, knew, I knew kind of what was going on, because I just enjoy getting to solve those mysteries and, and trying to figure that out. And so when I read in Scripture the word mystery, I'm kind of like, ooh, all right, okay, I, 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 can, I can do a mystery. I, I'll go grab my, uh, my magnifying glass and my hat and the game's afoot and I'm ready to go figure out the mystery. Like, I, I, get, I get a little excited. I mean, did you see that right? In, in verse 9, it said mystery. It said to bring to light uh, or to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages. And so I read that, and I'm like, okay, this is a good verse. I'm ready for this, because mystery, obviously, it's going to be interesting. But curious enough, a lot of times when we hear mystery, there's something we don't know. But actually, in this passage, Paul has already told us what the mystery is. See, if you have your Bibles open, and if you don't, go ahead and turn with me to that passage in Ephesians chapter 3. Just a few verses before this passage that we had read, Paul says, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul has already kind of told us here what the mystery is. He said the mystery is that people used to think the gospel was just for Gentiles, or for, just for Jews. But the mystery is that it's actually for everybody. It's actually for the Gentiles. And, and my, my love, my good news, is for anyone, for everyone. And surprise, that's the mystery. And so you might be sitting there saying, well, great, now you just ruined the whole sermon because I thought this was actually going to be interesting. 
uh, you were talking about a mystery, and you kind of had me going there, and I'm like, okay, mystery, that, I, I could I track with that. But now you've just ruined it, and you've just given away the ending, so what fun is that? But any of you who have watched or read a mystery sometimes know that there comes a point when the case is solved, and everyone thinks it's a case closed, but there's that one little pesky detective who's sitting there saying, but there's just something that doesn't quite add up. And everyone's like, oh, just drop it. It's, it's fine. It's already solved. But they're like, no, there's, there's just something. I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is, but I, I can't drop it. And it's this why of something. Why did the murderer do this? Or why did the thief do this a particular way? And they just won't drop it. And as I read this passage, this, this talk about this mystery, obviously Paul has made it clear what the mystery is just a few verses before. But as I read this, I get a little caught up on the why. I read it, and there's, there's a why in there that I'm kind of, I, I, don't, I don't get this. And I, being a, a puzzly kind of mind, trying to figure it out. I'm trying to answer why. And honestly, if you look at this passage in, in verses 7 and 8, Paul, you can see, is, is just about as puzzled as I am. And I'll tell you what the why is in just a second. But he says in verses 7 and 8 of this gospel, this, this mystery, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. And then this is where he, you can kind of hear it. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Like, like it's... Like he's saying to me? Like, why me? Other places in scripture, he says, I, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor of Christ. I was a violent man, an opponent to God. Why me? I'm the least likely candidate to be a part of this, this plan, this mystery, this gospel and then, further in this passage, he goes on to say that through the church, God's wisdom would be known. God would be made known. And so not only has God somehow wrapped Paul into this kind of mystery, but he's also wrapped us into the mystery. And he's pulled us as the church, the people, into this mystery through the church. And so the question, this part that I get caught up on, the why, is why did God include us in his grand master plan? Have you ever thought about that? Why us? Why? I mean, this is all God's plan, and Paul said just a few verses later, this was actually his eternal purpose that God realized through Jesus Christ. And God is the grand master plan maker. In, in uh, verse 9, Paul said that. He said God created all things. This kind of whole life thing that we're living was kind of God's idea 
Uh, he kind of came up with the whole thing. But why did he include us? Why us? He's literally God. He could have done all of this without us, all by himself, without our help. He doesn't need us. He literally spoke the world into motion, into creation. He's all sufficient. He doesn't need anything or anyone because he is already everything in himself. So then why include us? Why include measly little like me and you? I mean, maybe you're not measly, but I'm calling me measly. Why include us or this church in in Marion, Indiana, in the grand scheme of things? Why did he include us in his grand master plan of, of revealing and proclaiming the gospel to the world? Why? A few months back, my family and I went to an escape room together. And if you've been to an escape room, you know that it's basically a room full of puzzles. So someone like me is like, great, I'm excited, this is awesome. So we go to this escape room and I had a blast and obviously we got out because my family is really good at puzzles and so uh, I, I, I played a small part in, um, in us getting out. And, and it was fun and I just, I really enjoyed the room itself, but something I just thought was really interesting was when you walk out of the room, kind of tucked around the corner, is this little corner area where the guy who made the room had his little setup. And he had a couple of computer screens where actually when we were inside of the room, he was watching, and this way if we got stuck, which only happened a couple times, um, he would give us some hints and some clues because he was kind of watching from the outside. And this is the guy who made the whole room, and he's sitting outside and just watching. And when I walked out and I saw that, I thought, that's kind of neat. Like, he's the one who made the room, and then he gets to sit there and watch people interact with this room. Like, that, that's kind of that's interesting, and there's got to be something satisfying about being able to sit there and watch people interact with something that you've created. And so, obviously, we had fun inside of the room, but I kind of thought he probably has a lot of fun sitting outside of the room and just watching people interact with this and, and solve the puzzles. And I think, I, I imagine, that God's got to feel a little bit of that kind of satisfaction when, when he watches us, his creation, interacting with his creation. And so I, I, I kind of picture that and I think, well, maybe that's kind of on the right track to uh, helping us understand this why. But maybe that's kind of a, a hard uh, example for us to relate to because maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know that any of us have ever written an escape room. So maybe a better way of thinking about this is how many of you have ever been a part of a surprise party, just by raise of hands, a surprise party, or even just like a surprise. Now, think of that experience. How many of you have ever been a part of a surprise party with a little kid? 
because there's a difference, and, and there's less of you that raise your hand for that. See, if you haven't, just think of, think of a little kid and, and everything that we know about little kids. The first thing we, I think, all know about kids is it's hard for them to contain a surprise. Like, it's hard for them to keep it. In the weeks leading up or the days leading up, if the person who is going to be surprised walks by, they're just like, and you're like, shh, hide your face. Like, put your mask back on. Um, because, like, you don't want them to give it away. And they're just like, Mom, do you think they know? And it's like, well, they will in about five seconds if you open your mouth. Um, it's hard for them to contain the surprise. And then when you actually get to the day of the surprise, whatever it is, we'll, we'll say a surprise party, then you've got everybody in the room, and everyone's kind of, you know, hiding in the corner, behind the door, around, around the corner of the couch, and the lights are off, and that little kid is just like... <laughs> Aren't you excited? And you literally think they're going to like spontaneously combust because of this surprise inside of them. And then when that person finally walks in the door and everyone's just like, surprise, like a split millisecond before everyone else, the kid is like, surprise, surprise, surprise. And then they start running over to that person and they're going to say, I was a part of it. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know that this was going to happen? I knew it was going to happen like two weeks ago and you never even knew, did you? I didn't give it away. I kept my mouth shut. I want to tell you what I got to do. I was hiding over there. And they're just going to go on and on and tell you because they just love being able to be a part of that surprise. And in that moment, when you look at that kind of that picture of a kid, being a part of this surprise plan. There's no denying their joy. Like, you can't picture that scenario with a kid like, surprise. Like, they're, they're excited about it. They, they enjoy the fact that they got to be included in the plan. Now, as I picture these two images, the satisfaction of the escape room creator watching people interact with their creation. And this kid who is full of joy at being able to be included in the plan. I think maybe that helps us begin to understand why God the Father chose to include his children in his plan. See, what if the reason that God included us is because it brings him joy? He didn't need us. He finds great joy in including us, and he wants us to experience and participate in that joy. He finds great joy in us. He loves us. He rejoices over his creation, and we see this in Scripture. In Psalm 104, it says that God rejoices in his works. And the prophet Zephaniah says, the Lord will rejoice over you with gladness and loud singing. In Genesis, God created the whole world, and he said it's good. And then when he actually created man and woman, when he created mankind, he said it's very good. He finds joy in us, his creation. 
I mean, think about this. What kind of God would give up his son for his creation unless he loved it? John 3.16, God so loved the world. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. God finds great joy in including us in his plan. And not only that, but this was really part of his plan all along. Paul said that in verse 11 of Ephesians 3. This was according to the eternal purpose that he's realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church, God's people, his creation was always part of the plan. See, because imagine what it will be like one day to be able to sit down with Jesus over a cup of coffee, because I know there's going to be coffee in heaven, (laughs) and to be able to sit down with him and say, God, I remember that day, and I thought it was the end of the world. I thought this this was it. I thought my life was ruined. I thought there was no coming back. And then God says, ah, but, but then you remember what happened after that? And then I used that to actually start something new. And, and oh, you're sitting there like, oh, yeah, it was, it was so good. That was crazy. You knew that was happening? You knew that all along? And he's like, yeah, I knew it. I knew how it was going to play out. Oh, and then you remember this part, and you're sitting there like, oh, oh, yeah, that was, that was crazy. I thought for sure everyone was going to lose their minds at that point. And God's like, well, I... I knew what was going on. I, I had a plan. And you're like, oh, it was, it was just genius. And God's like, I know. <laughs> and just, just imagine kind of that, that, that scenario, that conversation one day with God and being able to share in the joy of his plan, of being able to be a part of his grand master plan. See, I think some of us... Uh, picture God as this like mean old father, grandfather kind of figure, and he's up there shaking his finger at us. But I think maybe sometimes we get a a better picture of God's character when we look at him as this father who's filled with joy, like a child, with a twinkle in his eye. Because God himself is a God of glorious joy. But, of course, unfortunately, uh, some of us are kind of on the sidelines, uh, what I would call party poopers. We all know a party pooper, maybe. Uh, We don't want to participate in the plan. We, we say, you don't need me. God doesn't, God doesn't need me. The church doesn't need my help with that. And you're sitting just on the sidelines, kind of just like a, a humbug. Meh. I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. We refuse to participate. But when we do, we're not fulfilling our purposes. We're like a toaster that doesn't toast, or a TV that doesn't work, or a vacuum that doesn't vacuum. When we're not participating in God's plan and doing what he created us to do, we're, we're missing out, and we're also not fulfilling our purpose. See, we were created to glorify God 
and to reflect his glory, and that brings him great joy. And so one of the ways that we do that is by being an active, willing part of his beautiful plan of making himself known to the entire human race. See, are you living at the center of God's beautiful and surprising and glorious grand master plan? Are you sitting on the sidelines? Are we as a church posturing ourselves around every corner, ready to to jump out in joy when people walk past and just go, surprise, look at what God did. Isn't it great? Isn't he wonderful? I just want to tell you all about it. I want to tell you about the part that I got to play, and this is just wonderful. Let me tell you about Jesus. Or are we sitting on the sidelines? Or even worse, are we standing in the way of the fulfillment of his plan. Because here's the thing, we can be one or the other. As the church, as, as the capital C church, we, we can say, God, use us. We want to be a part of your plan. We want to help make it happen. Or we can stand in the way of what God's doing because uh, we don't like the plan. Or... We don't like the people leading a certain piece of it. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't bring the snacks we wanted, so we're just not going to go. I, I just, I don't want to be a part of that. See, this whole month we've been talking about this idea of, of rock-solid living. What does it mean to live a rock-solid life? And when it comes to us as, as the body, the church, Rock-solid living is standing in the middle of where God created us to be, in the center of his plan, and doing everything that we can to keep that plan on track. To be part of that plan, to further that plan. Because last time I checked, God's plans don't fail. Last time I checked, God's purposes cannot be thwarted. And so when we're standing in the middle of that plan, we will not fail. And so we can choose to be standing on the sidelines or choose to be standing in the way of what God is wanting and trying to do, or we can say, I'm in. I'm 100% in. I want to, for the joy of Christ, be a part of his plan. I want to be doing everything in my power to further his plan. See, in just a minute here, we're, we're going to go into a time of closing, and I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way back up. And we're going to join in singing a song called Build Your Kingdom Here. Because, guys, that should be our prayer. That's the attitude we should have in our everyday lives, in our conversations, when we go to work, when we come to church, every time we meet together, every time we talk with someone, build your kingdom here. That that should be our prayer. We should be saying, put me in, put me in, God, in the very middle of your plan. I want to further your glory. I want to be part of your unshakable purposes because, God, you will not fail. God, I want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of that.
Build your kingdom here. Set your church, starting with this church, starting with me, and then starting with our church and our community and the world. Set the church on fire. Build your kingdom here and start with me. Are you actively standing in the middle of God's surprising, mysterious, sometimes confusing, but glorious plan? Or are you standing in the way? Build your kingdom here, Lord. Right here, right now. That's our prayer. Set your church on fire. We want to be a part of your plan. Would you stand and pray with me as we begin to sing? Lord, build your kingdom here. We just want to be a part of your plan. We want to share in the joy of that, not stand on the sidelines. Father, help us to recognize our part and jump to it and be ready and willing to jump out and, and tell people, surprise, look at God's plan. Look at how wonderful he is. Lord, we want to be a part of that work. Start with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.